Father God, we acknowledge that our glory is but rubble. It's scupula. When compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ as our Lord. God, I pray that as we dive into this sermon today, that we would take a concerted effort of letting this song become a practical reality in our lives, where our soul sings that we've nailed our glory to the cross, our pride, our greed, our covetousness, our lust, our shame, our position, our authority, our exaltation. We nail our glory to the cross. Yes, we want to do. And so, God, as we dive in today, I am excited that we get to die in order to live. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Everybody agree with that said? Amen, 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 amen. If you got on your war clothes today and you're ready to nail your glory to the cross, why don't you give God a hand praise? Amen. While you do that, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to dive into the scriptures today. We're in a part two of our message within the Manhood series. Uh, we're in Judges 6. Back in Judges 6, we're starting uh, at verse 19, uh, to, and we're going to go to verse 27. We may skip a little, I mean, go a little past that uh, today just to make some points, but I want, us to, I want us to zoom lens on that song as a great segue into what we're going to be dealing with today in the scriptures. When you get there, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 19 through 27. I'm going to start off in verse 19 with you. You keep on reading like we do. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes. Keep going. Yeah.
Yeah. Can take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. second installment of our sixth installment of our Numanity series. Uh, we'll be talking about today again, breaking free from strongholds. Father God, we honor you for the ability to be free. And we know that for freedom, based on Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. And that, that's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel has given uh, unparalleled clarity to the fact that those who have repented of their sin and have believed in Christ by faith have been given freedom. However, on a daily basis, God, we have some impractical entanglements. And, and, so, and so we want, Lord, for you to do something spiritual. Don't just give us theological ecstasy, Lord God, but give us biblical and a, a, a rich sense of freedom because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so, Lord God, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're in our second installment. We're in the midst of a manhood series. And uh, it seems to be that it's more than a manhood series because God, the Holy Spirit, seems to be hitting the ladies as well. And so, uh, and so as we are in this section of the installment of our Numanity series, we've come to the point where we have to deal with the fact that there are things in the way of us being conformed to Christ's image. Uh, God's desire is for us to look like Jesus, not just in the positional justification by faith that he's giving us by declaring us righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, but he wants practical lookalikes. Being a practical lookalike means that you don't use salvation as fire insurance, but what you use salvation for is the means by which the way God has secured you to look like an eternal family member, that you progressively are walking viciously in the sanctification process to honor and glorify and lift him up to dealing with every single thing in your life that's in the way. Now, I don't care how young you are in here. I don't care how old you are in here, you got issues. That should have been louder, but I'm going to say that one more time. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you got issues. Yeah, yeah, and you can act like you got it all together if you want to, but every last person under the sound of my voice has a vicious need for God to help us to attack everything that in, that's an encumbrance to where he wants us to be. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 talks about 1 through 3 talks about us setting our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith and then it goes on to say laying aside every weight and encumbrance that so easily entangles us well the Christian life is a marathon not a sprint it's not, it's, not a, it's not a 40 yard, it's not a 100 yard, it's not a 200 yard, it's not a 300, it's not even a 400, I say 100. It's actually a marathon. Matter of fact, it's not a 26 mile run. It is a lifetime run from the moment that you trust him. Now you're not running to get in good standing with God. Christ has already secured that. You're running because you have a good standing with God. Now the problem though is, 
is that many of us got too much stuff on in the run. Because the Bible says laying aside every weight and encumbrance that so easily entangles us. We have to understand, when, when you look at the Olympics, that's why they got on tank tops, them, them light, uh, breathable tank tops, and they got on them little, uh, them little Daisy Duke looking shorts, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a little weird to me, but they wear them. And they got lightweight shoes on because they don't want a bunch of stuff on them that takes their breath away from being able to run the race with endurance. Um, but, but, but there are many of us who have, who have uh, uh, y'all don't know nothing about this, triple fat goose coats on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we got the, back in the 80s, we used to wear these squirrel hats, you know, squirrel and, uh, and, and raccoon joints. And we, we got, we got uh, fur boots on. We got ankle bracelets on. We got shackles on. We got a whole bunch of stuff on us. And we're trying to run the Christian life. And we're wondering why in the world are we getting tired of walking with Jesus? See, the reason why we're getting tired of walking with Jesus is because of all the stuff that's on us that's not allowing us to be freed up to run the race with endurance. And so a stronghold is those weight and encumbrances that we make a part of our life structurally as something that's supposed to be a part of the marathon with Jesus. And so uh, uh, as we look at this text and we remember from last week, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, that, a, uh, that we talk about uh, casting aside everything that exalts itself, tearing down every imaginary thing or lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, where we get our definition of strongholds from, which I'll read again this week, a stronghold. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth, the growth of others, and you exalting Jesus above everything. Let me say that again. A stronghold is a mindset. Somebody say mindset. mindset. It's a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth, the growth of others, and you from exalting Christ above everything, and maximizing the fruitfulness that best aids in God's people bringing glory to the living God. And so, so therefore, therefore, we recognize that a stronghold is a mindset. It's a way of thinking. I like the way Bruce Wilkinson breaks it down. He says, Bruce Wilkinson says, most of us think of strongholds as bondages, such as sexual trespasses, drug addictions, alcoholism, uh, outward sins we put at the top of our worst sins list. He says, but Paul is referring here to something much worse than a human, uh, human measuring of sins. He, he, said, he said, first of all, he isn't speaking of demonic possession. It, he says, in his opinion, which I agree with him, the devil cannot enter the heart of an overcoming Christian and claim a place in that person. Rather, the figurative meaning of Paul's word stronghold in the Greek here, is holding firmly to an argument. So a stronghold is an accusation planted firmly in your mind. Listen, Satan establishes strongholds in God's people by implanting their minds with lies, falsehoods, and misconceptions, especially regarding the nature of who God is. 
For instance, the enemy may plant in your mind the lie that you're unspiritual, totally unworthy of God's grace, which that's why it's grace. Um, that's my added in there. Um, nobody's worthy of grace. If you were worthy of grace, it wouldn't be unworked for favor. The devil is a liar. Listen, he says, he may whisper to you repeatedly, you'll never be free from your besetting sin. You haven't tried hard enough. You haven't changed. And now God has lost patience with you because of your continual ups and downs. Under the sound of my voice, so many of you have been through that. And many of you are thinking of the sin. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to deal with your drug addiction. You're trying to deal with your sexual issue, but you're not recognizing that the mindset that you develop is what keeps the stronghold there, not the sin itself. That's why it's the tearing down of everything that is lofty. That means exalting itself above God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things. That's why Romans 12:1 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Right. And so your mind has to change. Because why? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 4.23, we're just building a foundation, that we must be renewed in the spirit, the disposition or attitude that our mind has. See, some of us, our stronghold is rooted in the attitude of our mind. That's why the gospel must renew the attitude that you have towards everything. That's why Jesus' first message was, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, was metanoia for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change your mind about your mess and how you think things should be and embrace mine. So, 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 so before you can even transfer, you got to de-exalt some things, which I'm getting ahead of myself. And so it's very important for the believer to know, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, that you already have the mind of Christ, you just don't know how to use it. If the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Did you get that? That means when Christ saved you, he gave you a new way of thinking, a new level of affections, and a new volition, the ability to execute what he said execute. Which brings me to my first and only point for this sermon today. If you're going to break free from strongholds, we saw last week that, 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 that you have to have a, 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 an explicit encounter with God. As we saw Gideon had, he had an explicit encounter with God where God dealt with his functional dysfunction. In other words, functional dysfunction is you functioning in something that's raggedy, which is dysfunction, thinking that it's function, a.k.a. the new normal. Okay? And so, and so he dealt with that, and God dealt with him with that. So we said we have a, a, an explicit, a clear encounter with God. Th- th- this week, secondly, if you're going to break free from strongholds, you've you, you got to recognize that it demands, breaking free demands a radical commitment to face the stronghold. A radical commitment to face the stronghold. Look, look in the scriptures. It says, so Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat. And it says, an unleavened cakes, that means without anything, they puff it up in there. From an ephah of flour, the meat he put in the basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the, the tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and unleavened cakes and put them on a rock, on this rock, and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat. And the unleavened cakes, guess what? And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. 
Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. In other words, he recognized that in some way, shape, or form, the massive God in heaven, who, who, who Paul says in Timothy, dwells in unapproachable light. In other words, before you get to the living God, his bodyguard is his glory. Wish I had some help. And, 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 and he says he dwells in unapproachable light. That means you can't just walk up on God how you want to. All of them understood that you can't see God and live. In other words, if God were to, were to just say, I'm just going to pull back the curtain of eternity and let my glory and all of the essence of my beauty shine on the universe, everybody would immediately disappear and be disintegrated. And so therefore, he knew that he saw God because the text said earlier that the Lord said to him, meaning the person that was there was some way, shape, or form, not merely a messenger of God, but that person was God himself. And, and, and we believe epistemologically that this was God tucking himself in a pre-incarnate state called the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all don't, y'all don't believe me. Well, Adam, when he, when, 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 when he said, come here, Adam, it wasn't the, the fullness of who God was. As perfect as Adam was at that time before the fall, he still couldn't see the fullness of God and live. And so God came in the form of a human. By the oaks of Mamre, um, uh, Abraham saw the pre-incarnate Christ with two other bodyguards hanging out with him, even though he don't need nobody to guard him. Moses in the burning bush looked at him as a friend face to face. That was the Lord Jesus Christ in in, in the fiery furnace, a sinner, an unbeliever, saw four people, not three. Three got put in there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Meshach, Azariah, Azariah, Hananiah, and they saw a four, and he looked like the sons of gods, he said, because he didn't have the theology to know, I wish I had help, that it was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ who would one day give up heaven's glory, tuck himself in a skin suit, and come to live the life that we can never live. In other words, when you have an encounter with God, when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you can't remain the same. You can't. You can't. And so, and so, and so here he's rocked because he don't know what kind of visit this is. You ever had God visit you, you know, and you kind of scared like, why are you, why are you here? Now, guess what he says? He's like, whoa, he's, your boy was shook, right? He was shook real hard because he was like, why in the world God show up? And, and God, every now and then God got to rub you on the shoulder and say, don't be afraid. He, 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 said, he said, peace be unto you. I like that. Every now and then you got to know that there's peace between you and the living God. That's why Jesus Christ in dying on the cross brought peace between us and God. Therefore, taking our broken relationship to relationship, but from relationship also to fellowship, but the fellowship, the relationship never gets broken, but the fellowship can. So God enters our lives to continue to help us to not have broken community with him, even though our relationship with him through Christ will never be broken. And so Gideon has a similar experience to Moses and a similar experience to Joshua. And he's so blown away by what he just experienced. He says, he says, but the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. I need to hear that. Then it says in verse 24, then Gideon built an altar. We're going to come back to that. There to the Lord and called it Yahweh is Shalom. 
the Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands in Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. Now, here comes the grimy part. This is a, see, you can have a nice little worship experience with God where you gave some little sacrifices and stuff and you enjoyed yourself. Now there's going to come a point in your relationship with God where he is going to go to the uncharted territory of your life. And he's going to demand that the phoniness cease. And guess what he does here? He says, I get it. I ain't finished because I show up with a purpose. I don't show up for excitement only. He said, I show up to change lives. He says, so this is what I want to do. He says, that night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Oh, my God. So what has happened now is he has to face all of these different strongholds that his dad has set up. You see, some stuff in your life ain't stuff you put in place. It's stuff somebody else put in place that you're friends with. Some of us have made strongholds out of things that other people made strongholds of, and we're connected to it because of our vicinity in them. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. And so he used the bulls, and and later on we'll see why he used that. But he pulls down, he tells him to pull down the altar of Baal first. Well, you got to understand, Baal worship was crazy. Back then, he was, the, he, was, he was one of the best idols to serve. You know, he was the mainstay pop culture idol right back then. You know what I'm saying? Because what they would do is they would go on what's called the high places, and people would have orgies on the high places. And as they would have orgies on the high places, um, they believed that they were inciting Baal to sexual arousal, which would cause him to stimulate himself and release his semen in the clouds and cause it to rain. In other words, they had, they, 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 they said, they said, the reason why they wanted it to rain is because they wanted, they wanted, they believed that Baal would take care of them. They no longer believed that Yahweh would take care of them. Oh, y'all quiet. See, most of our strongholds come with disappointment with what God decided not to do for us. And see, and see, and see what happens is, is when you do that, you set up a stronghold in that particular place of your life. And that's why he, he tells them to pull it down. Somebody say, pull down. Now, the, pull, the word pull down in the Hebrew means to attack, to harass something to the point of it being demolished. It means to cause something in your life to have a lower position. Did you hear that? See, see listen, every, most uh, strongholds in our life are things that have eclipsed the beauty of what only God can provide and replacing it with that particular thing, therefore making it bigger than God. Now, the issue is nothing really is bigger than God. But, but when you are so bound and you're shackled up real tight, what happens is, is your flesh and your passions and your desire of what you structurally set up makes you believe that that thing is greater. And it's not the external sin. Remember, it's the mindset that goes behind it that makes you believe. That's why you have to pull down thoughts and imaginations because God is the only real truth. And so because he's the only real truth, some of you have to attack some stinking thinking. Stinking thinking is anything in your life that you have a substandard view of God in and you're trusting it to inform you, to strengthen you and develop you and for you to be what you can never be without the living God. Everybody has one that needs pulling 
down and you got to have aggressive self-confrontation. You can't just pity pat over and play with it. There's some stuff in your life that you're going to have to go after hardcore. You got to be, listen, let me tell you something. You got to be tired of being tired. You got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Some of you have been coming to the altar call every week for the same thing. Why? Because you're coming about the sin and not the mindset. See, if you don't change your mind about greed to being generous and thankful, then it won't change. If you, if, you, if you don't change your pride about something in your life and have a humble disposition in your mind towards it, guess what's going to happen? That particular thing is going to remain there. And that's why we have to begin to face everything. We got to list that thing out and say, God, I don't want to remain the same and I want to deal with this thing. So when dealing with strongholds, you have to abolish its status in your life. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I remember when, when God was leading me uh, 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 to, to th- th- show me that my wife was my wife. Now, some of y'all, he might not show you that way, but I knew, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that she was going to be the woman I was going to marry, just like I knew that Christ saved me. That's just how God revealed it to me. You know, but the problem was, is, is, is I, I, as I had a Luke video chickadee in my life at the time. You know what I'm saying? And so at the time, I was like, now nah, I want sh-. I'm like, yo, man, I'm, y- 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 y'all, some of y'all that went past you, it's okay. Those of you who got it understand what I'm saying. You, you know, you know I, I had some whooped ministry in my life at the time. I wasn't fully free. Even though I was a Christian, I was walking in a stronghold, a stronghold of promiscuity with one person because I thought I was, you know, I, was, I only had, because I had one girl, you know, I thought, you know, I ain't promiscuous, you know what I'm saying, God? But God was saying, one is promiscuous to me if you're not married to her. But my mindset was telling me that I was cool and everything was all right. And so before God would allow me to fully enjoy the woman who I was going to marry, I had to face the stronghold of this chick that not that she had on me, but that my mind had on her. See, some of y'all think the stronghold is holding on to you, but it's you that's holding on to the stronghold. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. We like to blame people. We like to we like say, well, you know, it ain't this. You know, God, if they would just let me go, if they would just give me some free. No, God says you're already free. You're just going to have to decide in your mind that I've already made you free. And when you, when, listen, listen, listen. When you know you're free, you, let, you just let go. You just, you just let go. You know, you know, my son be in the swing. And he, he like the little, the, little, the little cup, the little swing that's like this. And going back and forth, he going to swing, going to swing. And so he used to be scared, like, like thinking the swing holding him, and because he wanted to jump out of the thing. So I say, son, all you got to do is move your arms around the chains. I wish I had some help. And if you move your arms, the, the chains don't have you locked up, son. You just got your, you, the chains are just what you put in front of you to protect you in a way that you think you're being protected. But son, the next time it goes up forward, just let that thing slow down and move yourself around the chains and jump out of there. And when he learned that he can move around the chains in his life, he started having more fun on the swing. See, some of y'all have let chains get in front of you and the chain ain't holding on to you. It's you that's holding on to the chains. <clears throat> and see, you, 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 you got to recognize Christ unlocked. That's why he's called the key of David. Because he is a skeleton key. Oh, my God, I'm about to run. 
He's a skeleton key to every stronghold. He's the skeleton key to every promise. He's the skeleton key to every new life. He's the, I wish I had some help. He's the skeleton, a skeleton key, if you don't know, is something that is the unlocker of every lock, no matter what the lock shapes like, because it was made to go into every hole and unlock what is unlockable. Yeah. So that's what Jesus is there for. That's what's so powerful about Christ. And so that's why you got to pull down. He's waiting for you to pull it down. He's waiting for you to, he said, I ain't, you know, I'm, I'm a gentleman. I'm going to work with you to pull it down. That's why he was supposed to use the other bull. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the first thing you got to do if you're going to pull down a stronghold is you got to realize why you set the stronghold up in your life in the first place. Oh, my God. Practical, right? You got to realize, before your mind can be changed, you got to realize why it's there. Because if you don't recognize why it's there, you got to ask yourself the question, why do, I, why do I seem to have this thing just here? What, what is it here? Let me trace it back to when I first put it in. When, when, when did I first get start thinking like this? See, when, when did I, when did, where, where did I get this information from? What, 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 see, when you start going back and you start tracing the, the rope of where, you'd be surprised where it came from. You got you to gotta begin in your life, in every single area of your life, tracing back to every single stronghold in your life and tracing its existence in your life and why it's there. Because if you don't trace the stronghold back to why you put it in your life, guess what? Strongholds will usually deepen when you choose to believe that God has lost concern for you. See, what will happen is, is when you don't trace it back, you'll say, God didn't care. Remember, remember what Gideon said earlier in the chapter? He said, God, you ain't even been around. But God's like, hold on. He didn't say this in that part of the chapter, but he was like, you put you there. I didn't put you there. But I'm coming where you put you to get you out of where you put you. Oh, did you hear that? See, see, that's how God does. God doesn't come to condemn you into where you put yourself. He wants to be a portal into a way of escape from where you put yourself. It's just the truth. If you don't say amen, you can say something. Um, next thing. You, gotta, you not only got to recognize why they are in your life. Number two, you got to recognize what they are. And that's, that's see, for, for me, you, you, you have to really recognize what the stronghold actually is and isn't. When I realized, listen, 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 I'm just telling you right now, I was a weed head. Now, see, I know none of y'all ain't do nothing before. You know, y'all ain't never done nothing. But I was a weed head. I was the taking the seeds out, laying my weed out, pulling, my, getting my blunt, taking the, the stuff out, putting it on the ground, putting honey in the middle, dropping the weed and licking it over so it can slowly burn and I can get nice. And I had black lights and I'm playing Bob Marley. I was that dude. I was that dude. And you know, I was a believer like, yo, man, you know what I'm saying? The Bible says in John, John, Genesis chapter 1 that God has given us every herb yielding seed. I just pulled some seeds out of this, so I think it says herb seeds. So basically, I believe that God, I ain't messing with the coke. You know, that's process. That's process. See, 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 it's process. You got, but y'all know we dumb like that. Y'all laughing, 
But y'all know when we're bound, we justify our sin. When you're bound, you're like, I can't believe I was so dumb. But you won't admit you're dumb. I was dumb and still got some dumbness in me. So I'm, I'm trying to humble myself enough to know that I have some dumbness. But see, some of y'all think you're so smart, you don't want to admit how dumb your lofty, whack thought is. But that's the first step. The first step is admitting that your stuff stinks. If I was on the block, I'd say something else. But you better admit that your stuff, y'all can get mad at me. You need to admit that your mess stinks. You need, to, you need to admit that your mind ain't right and that you need help from the holy. You got to recognize that the thing that you set up in your mind is the way of you being all that you can be for God. And you think in the midst, God will not, will not take you to the next stage of development until you get the chains off. He won't. Listen, Psalm 106, 34 says, they did not destroy the peoples. This is interesting. As the Lord had commanded them. This has to do with Judges 6. This is powerful. Most, let, me, let me tell you something. The children of Israel were supposed to go into the promised land. They were supposed to kill everybody. But what they decided was some of the people were okay. And so God can't be right about them. You know, the, 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 the women look nice. These are children. You know, you can't. This can't. See, God be tripping. Like, we, you know, we, we, we know better than him. That's what we don't say out our mouth. But with our practice, we're functionally saying, we got better ideas than you, God. So basically, so basically, check it out. They didn't destroy all of the people. Now, when they didn't destroy all of the people, what happens is, is their incomplete obedience gave them open doors to the stuff that God wanted them to destroy. See, there's some of us, listen, there's another, I'll give you another example. Azariah, 2 Kings 15. This is one of the first passages I really, because I was dealing, I was dealing, I'm still dealing with strongholds. Everybody's always dealing with strongholds. And, and so when I first, I first came to terms with strongholds in 2 Kings 15, and I remember when God said, Azariah, I want you to destroy all of the high places. People are having sex, wilding out on the wild pl- high places. They're worshiping Baal. I want you to tear down all of the high places. Just get rid of all of the altars. Get them all out of there. <clears throat> but the Bible says that he didn't pull all of them down. Then later on in the text, and it says, and the people went back up on the high place and began burning incense up there. In other words, your, and your incomplete, incomplete obedience and my incomplete obedience makes us think that we're stronger than we are. See, many of us, our incomplete obedience is connected to us thinking we can take fire into our bosom and get burnt and not get burnt. I'm all right. You know, I'm strong. I'm strong. See, the moment you say I'm strong. You're strong and wrong. Because let me tell you something. People in the Bible did not fall in their weaknesses. They fell in their strengths. Okay, you think I'm lying. Abraham was a man of faith. But the area he fell in was faithlessness because he didn't believe God would provide a child through Sarah. Okay, y'all still don't believe me. The Bible calls uh, Moses the most humble man over all creation. But when, when he saw the children of Israel wilding out, oh, no, no, God said, speak to the rock. But he was so proud. He said, oh, I'm, I'm so beastly with my, I could strike the rock. 
And that was pride, thinking that he knew better than God. Y'all think I'm lying. Let's go to David. The Bible said David was a man after God's own heart and a man of great integrity. But the area of his life that he fell in was the area that he struggled. See, some of us, our stronghold is thinking that we're stronger than we are. And see, when the Bible says in, in weakness... We are made strong. Listen, listen, listen. If that, that's, that changes your mind because then your strength, you'd be like, I ain't really, huh? you know, God has given me a gift, but without him, this is a weakness. See how your mind has to get changed? I got to move. Y'all ain't, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Then he says, cut down the Asherah that is beside it. This is dope. <laughs> so when he says, cut down the Asherah that is behind it, that was Asherah pole, he was supposed to use the bull uh, uh, I know in Philly, bull, I'm not talking about boy, I'm talking about actual bull. Um, missed some people. He pushed, he put, he was supposed to push it over. Now, this is what cut down. See, this is how grimy God wants your, your fullness of your breaking down of a stronghold to be. Cut it down. Because listen, <clears throat> the cut down in the Hebrew means to uproot. Jesus. A tearing motion of removing roots of a plant or a tree from the ground in a tearing motion means to cut something off from its source. See, God wants you to stop feeding your stronghold. And so he says, I am going to cut off the place. Now, what's beautiful about God is, is he doesn't leave us here. He doesn't ever leave us here. Because in the next verse, he says something beautiful. I keep saying it's beautiful. Go look at verse 26. He says, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here. Wow. So in the same place you used to wild out, in the same place you used to have idols, I want you to build. I don't want you to stop worshiping me, but I want you to re I want you to reorder that place as the right place of worshiping me. What does build up mean? Build up means to erect a construction Erect a new construction of some type right here in this passage. And so God is telling you to erect a new construction right here. Now, that's very, very important. He says build an altar. Why does he say build an altar? Because of what an altar represents. An altar, has, an altar represents a, a place of worship, sacrifice, and spiritual identity. Let me say that again. It's a place of worship, sacrifice, and spiritual identity. I'm in the book, Genesis 12, 8, right? Your boy, your boy Abraham comes with a caravan of his people into the land of Canaan, this same land right here. <clears throat> when he comes into the land, in verse 8, I mean, God talks to him. He leaves. He dips. He chops it up with God, and then he gets into the land. And, and, and everywhere he looks around, there are lost people around him <clears throat> in the land of Canaan. <clears throat> what does he do? He sees altars over here. There are all kinds of spiritual places. There are high places, but guess what he does? <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 8, that he builds an altar to the Lord. <clears throat> so that means his altar looked the same. But he did something else that's different than what they did. The Bible says he built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. <clears throat> now, he didn't say Yahweh. He would yell out when you built an altar and you did a sacrifice on it, you, 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 would, you would yell out the name of the God that the altar is dedicated to. Now, what he was doing, he said, Yahweh! And what he was doing was he was letting the people in Canaan know that even though we both worship, we don't worship the same God. <laughs> See, every now and then, you got to announce the fact that there's a difference that's happening in your life. And so, there, therefore, there has to be new worship, but there's also sacrifice. <laughs> 
That, that means when you, when you build the altar in your place, that means you're going to start making sacrifices. Listen, the Paul says, I've counted all things but lost for the surpassing value of knowing Christ is my Lord. <clears throat> See, sometimes when you tear stuff down and build up in the place of it, you suffer a loss. See, some of you, so listen, listen, if you're really dealing with a stronghold, it's, it hurts to get rid of it. Because it almost feels like you're pulling a piece of yourself out. But the real idea is you are. You are pulling a piece of yourself out because you're replacing it with what God wants in that particular place in your life. That's why a stronghold means an elevated place, a protection. That's why I like over in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. That is his name, and they are safe. Now, in the Old Testament, that's the name of Yahweh. But the Bible says over in Philippians chapter 2, something powerful. See, Yahweh was the covenant name in the Old Testament that God used to identify the Godhead. But when Christ came, God, that's why when I read the passage, it didn't say in the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It said in the name, singular, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Over, over in, you don't, you don't believe me? Over in Acts 4, it says there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 on says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. In the Greek, that's kurios, which points to Yahweh, covenant name, or if you want to play with it, Adonai. So what happens is, is that everything that's in his name. So God said, I, I'm just going to make this easier for my people. They don't have to call me Jehovah Shalom anymore. They don't have to call me Jehovah Sikhanu anymore. They don't have to call me Jehovah Raha anymore. They don't have to call me any of those names anymore. I am going to take all of these names like an IV and inject their power in the name of Yahshua or Jesus. So that, I wish I had some help. So that when you say the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus takes one of those IV pieces and assigns to that particular issue what you need God to help you through. So when you call on his name, you can say, Jesus, you may not even know what you need him for. The Holy Ghost does. And he'll say, oh, he needs this piece of the IV. I'm going to pull this in. You call the name. Oh, she called the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm going to use this. In other words, he knows better than we know. <laughs> that's, why the, that's why in the, the name of, that's why it's no name under heaven by which lives can be transformed. Because whatever you need, the old church will say, God's got it. Listen, when you, when, when you say the name of Jesus, God is smart enough because we're dumb. So he's smart enough to know the right place to assign the name of Jesus in our life based on what we need. In other words, we're not motorless. We didn't believe he was one time the father, then became the son, and then became the spirit. We believe that it's simultaneous existence. We believe in the preeminence of God the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, but the son as the representation of how the Godhead gets to us because of the gospel. Y'all lost right now. But I'm so glad that he came and died on the cross for me. I'm so glad that he lived a life that I could never live. Oh my God, was born in the life that I can never be born in. 
and he lived the life that I could never live and died the death that I could never die and got up from the grave on the third day. In a way that I couldn't. That's why the grave, the devil tried to make the grave into a stronghold. Ah. But guess what? The stone got rolled away. I don't know what stone you got in your life right now. But because Christ died on the cross and got up out of the grave, guess what? The Holy Ghost want to go like this with you. To roll the thing that's in the way for you coming out walking practically in new life in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I want to attain to the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Some of us want resurrections, but we don't want no suffering. But there is no resurrection without some suffering. You better hear me today. Listen, you, you, can't, you can't walk in freedom until you walk in the grime and grit. But the issue is we already have victory because he already did it. We're just walking in his footsteps to live in light of what he's already done for us. I got to move. I got to move. Huh. I got to move. I got to get out of here. So, just a couple of practical points. I know I was supposed to close there and get them on the organ or something, but <clears throat> I got to give it all. Last but not least, the process of being free looks like this. Repent of the mindset that you made room for in your life. Matthew 1.14. Number one, that means agreeing with what God says, admitting that you believe the lie, and ask God to give you strength to believe him for the right way of thinking. Number two. Replace the false mindset with God's, Romans 12, 1 through 2. You need informational renewal and you need attitude renewal, Ephesians 4, 23. You can have the new mind, but your attitude must be renewed. Because if you have the right information, I'm closing. If you have the right information but the wrong attitude, it's still, you'll still have a stronghold. Because the attitude is what helps you to accept the reality of and properly place that mindset where it's supposed to be in your life. I got to close. I've gone like a long time. But I, wa- I want, I want, I want us, to, us to walk in freedom and be consistently committed to what it means to be free. I, 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 I love it that we're more vibrant, but I want every area of our lives to be vibrant. Every area of our life today, decide, I cannot be the same. Decide today, God, this is it. This is it. God, this is the day I'm deciding that this is no longer going to have a hold on my life. Today, God, I, I, I want to face my disappointment with you. Some of you are disappointed with God, and that's the root of your stronghold is you believe that God doesn't care and you believe he's too slow and you believe he's forgotten about you. Smash it today. Smash it today. Some of you, I don't know what my life will be like. Listen, 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 let me tell you something. The rest of the passage, I didn't have time to get to it, but you, let me just, this ain't even a prophecy, this is a promise. 
when you decide that you're going to be free, I need five more minutes. When you decide you're going to be free, everybody ain't going to be happy. Oh, I wish I had. Listen, because the rest of the text says when they didn't see their idols in the city anymore, they got mad because some people, the only thing they had in common with you was that stronghold. And you're going to disrupt. I wish I had some help. You're going to disrupt. You're going to disrupt some stuff that you're going to disrupt family stuff. Some of your family members are going to be out on you because you decided that you're not going to be bound in that way anymore. Wish I had some help. Some of y'all, listen, I'm just telling you right now, you're going, some of y'all are going to lose friends because the only thing you had in common with them was the stronghold. The, and when you start tearing stuff down, the festivity level in the atmosphere goes up. Wish I had some help. And, when, and listen, when you deal with that man, when you just, somebody going to say to you, watch my word, you, now you want to be a Christian. Now you want to walk with God. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to guilt you into remaining bound. I wish I had some help. But what you got to be willing to do is you got to look them smack dab in their face, square your feet up like a bow and arrow, and you say, listen, the devil is a liar. Right now, I tear down every lofty argument that you're bringing against me, and, and this is a weight, and I rebuke you in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, you better get your boldness on. You better open your mouth and declare that the devil's mindset must end today. <laughs> They're not going to be happy. They are not going to be happy. Your freedom is going to frustrate people. But there are those who your freedom will make them ask you, pray for me and help me. Some of y'all, listen, I got, I got to stop. But listen, let me tell you something. Some of you, your, their freedom is connected to you getting free. How do I know? <clears throat> because Gideon's dad came back home. And they were going to kill Gideon for tearing down the stronghold. He had 10 dudes against the city. And, and, and his dad said, hold on, y'all. Y'all know we tripping. We know that God is Lord, but we've set this thing up here. And then all of a sudden, the city got free because one man had an encounter with God and decided enough is enough. <laughs> and today is your day. Today is your day to be more than what you need for you, but what God wants you to be for others. Some of you all have been silenced because you're so bound, you feel inadequate to communicate God's mysteries. He's going to free you today, and he's going to restore to you a persona of holiness. I got to move. He's going to restore, and listen, and as he restored, don't you walk in shame no matter what sin you're bound in the day. The Bible says that Jesus bore the shame on the cross for us. So he bore the shame, hallelujah, so we don't have to walk in shame. I don't care how many people you slept with. I don't, commit, I don't care how many tricks you did 
on the football team or the cheerleading squad. I don't care what you did. I don't care how much you smoked, how much you what. God is saying today, through Christ, I'll make everything new. Every head bow, every eye closed. Um, today, <clears throat> um, I, I want to send a call out to those who don't know Christ. <clears throat> That's you first. Because the first stronghold is being lost. The Bible says, based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the minds of the unbelieving are blinded. That's a stronghold. <clears throat> from being able to see the glorious gospel. That's a stronghold. That means the devil has put something in the way of you seeing the gospel. It's, it's something that exhausted itself against the knowledge of Christ, which is the gospel, which his death on the cross and his burial and his resurrection. If you're here today, if you're here today and you're saying, I, 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 I know that I don't know Jesus Christ. I know that if I died today, I wouldn't be in his presence. I, I want you to just stand to your feet right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to we share the gospel with you today. We want to share the gospel with you today. Just stand to your feet real quick. Real quick. Nobody's looking. It's just you and the Lord right now. Just you and the Lord. Well, you're saying, I, I want my life to be different, and I want this Christ that you're talking about that brings freedom. You said, for freedom, Christ set us free. I want that freedom. If that's you, stand to your feet. We want to we, we minister to you the gospel. We want to bring you in closer and talk to you about, we don't want to beat you over here with the Bible. We want to communicate what it looks like to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. What it looks like to repent and place your confidence in Jesus Christ. If that's you, stand to your feet. If that's you today, that's you today and you want to, and, you, and, and you're saying, I know that God spoke to me today. I, I want to put my full confidence in Lord Yahshua. On the other hand, maybe you're here today and you know that you know that you know that you are in the midst of vicious bondage and you feel unbelievably powerless, which you should, to get yourself out of it. I want you to stand to your foot, feet. If you're in the midst of a massive bondage, I see you. I see you, fellas. Yeah, I see you, ladies. You're in a bondage that... Counseling can't completely help you with. <laughs> Counseling is helpful, but it does not completely guarantee freedom. No matter what the bondage is, don't be afraid of it. Because Christ wants to give you the ability to face, to face it and to uproot it. This is for people that know Jesus already. No matter what it is and no matter how embarrassing you feel, maybe you have a spending stronghold. That's a stronghold too. Sex ain't the only one. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you standing. I see you standing. It's okay to be bold in acknowledging that you're not perfect and that you want the perfect Christ to engage it. I'm going to ask you guys to do one more thing. Why don't you come forward so we can pray with you? Why don't you come on up? No matter where you're standing, whether you're in the balcony, come on down. We don't want to do this as like a formality, but I want to pray for you.
you're under an unshakable odd in your life. And you're saying, God, I need, I need freedom. I'm sick of this. They'll come up as close as you can. Come on and file on there. File on there. File on there. File on there. Come on as close as you can, especially in this area behind Brother Greg. Put your hand up, Greg. <clears throat> file on in right behind him. Anybody else that's saying, God, I do have a vicious bondage that I'm dealing with. And I need help. I need help. Um, it is nothing wrong with unshamefully dealing with shame. There is something wrong with allowing the shame to remain when Christ has already dealt with it. I want to let you know right now, as you deal with this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is, there is no condemnation. For some of you, you felt condemned. And Jesus is saying, there isn't any condemnation for you. If you know me, the condemnation is gone. There's only help now. There's only help now. And so I want to pray. I want to pray that God would bring redemption and release to that particular area of your life. Father God, I pray for these men and women under the sound of my voice. I pray for even men here that are still too scared to come up because they want to see themselves. Men and women, I want to be perfect. I want to see myself as a perfect person. Lord, help them to cast off the appearance of perfection. Lord, I pray that you would help every person in here to say, God, I'm throwing off perfection today. I'm not talking about perfection of Christ. I'm talking about fleshly attempts to merit what only Christ can give. And to embrace our need, embrace the need, embrace the need, embrace the need for what only Christ can bring. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, up under the sound of my voice. They know exactly what that stronghold is, God. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ that you would touch them where they are. No matter what their stronghold is, God, I pray that they would, that you would give them the, uh, the willingness to say, God, I'm going to tear this mug down today. I'm, I, I, and, 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 and God, help them to see the hope of the fact that in the place of that stronghold, they can become a bondservant. <laughs> a bondservant of Christ, to be bound to him and him alone in every single area of their life. Help them to move the chain out of the way. It's right there in the way, and they think it's holding them, but it's not. It's just like the elephant in the circus who's duped into thinking that a chain can hold them when they have been created more powerful than that chain. God, I pray in Christ's name today that every person in here that knows that they're in the, in the spirit, they are elephants for you. And they're able to break free. For freedom, Christ, <coughs> Christ has set them free. 
God, I'm going to name some stuff. I feel led to be very specific just in praying for you. Greed. Greed comes in all kinds of forms. Everything from obesity to sinful passions. Lord, I'm praying for drunkenness, sexual bondage, pride. I'm praying for some people up here. They're up here because their fellowship with you is stunted because it's something they haven't gotten over. God, break through there in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, restore some people's belief in you. Some of it is just simply, they just have given up believing that you're about anything in their life. God, will you reorchestrate them to know that you love them? Lord God, I pray like Gideon's gonna pray for later, he wants some signs. And it's nothing wrong with asking for signs if they're for the right reasons. And God, I'm praying that you would give them signs today and this week and within a month. I'm begging you for it, God. That, 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 that you love them, that you're with them, and that you're holding their hands through this entire process, Lord God. And God, I pray that you would put specific people around them that will help them, in Jesus' name, to follow through. The key, God, is follow through. And God, I'm asking you to give them the wisdom to not just come up here and be prayed for, but to know that you've empowered them to plow down the Asherah, to pull down the bales in their life. And then now that their mind has been changed, they see your way of thinking and that they would embrace it, even have affections for it, God. And then now in the place of that, begin building a lifetime of being an altar to the glory of Jesus Christ. In that particular, where they used to serve Satan in that area of their life, where they used to serve themselves, where they used to serve people, help them to serve you and you alone, God. And God, we believe you right now in Jesus' name. Never the same, God. Never the same, God. Never the same after today, God. Never the same. I come against the enemy's lives and demonic forces right now. Come against the devil. I don't proclaim him, but we are commanded to resist. I pray for resistance strength for every person. And I come against every assignment that's even being set up right now to get them back bound. I come against it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment will be cast down. <laughs> and God, we're going to believe. We're going to believe, and we're going to join in faith with them. Never the same. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can I get, like, a couple of male deacons, female deacons? If you could just go to the back over there. If anybody needs prayer, meet them at the pastoral lounge door right to my left, your right, in the back um, for some more prayer. If you want some more prayer and some more time for somebody to talk with you, 
I want you to go ahead and do that. We want to give time for you to be ministered to. I see some of the people going back already. So you're dismissed, um, not from the service, but you can go right out there right now. If you need more prayer and someone to talk to, we want to make available some of our deacons and deaconesses to be able to minister to you. Praise God for all the people going back there. Amen. They're saying, I need help. Let's give God a hand praise for deliverance. <laughs> I know we went a little long today, but I know you don't mind going long to see some new believers get baptized. I know you don't mind going a little long to see some lives get set free. And so it's okay if we went a little bit long, if long had to do with freedom. And so why don't our men come? Why don't our men come and come on down and, and let's get ready to take communion. I am so excited to be able to celebrate Christ's death. I'm so excited to be able to celebrate his death and his resurrection. And so today, if you're a believer in Christ, take communion. I know we've gone long. Why don't you take communion with us and enjoy this time.